0: We're in this series, Authentic. Uh, we've been going through the, the Beatitudes, and then, then we're going we're gonna to end up uh, taking communion together, which, which uh, is really appropriate for this Beatitude. And so the Beatitude is this, is blessed are the, uh, are, are the pure in heart, for, for, they will, for they will see God. And so I, I want to talk to you. In fact, is I've entitled this message, 2020, in other words, uh, your vision is important, right? I mean, we, we know that physically. Uh, th- there was a time that I wore glasses. That was before the wonderful world of LASIK, and so I, I know what it is not to I, I know what it is not to have vision uh, or good vision. I know what it is to to not have glasses or, or some of those other things to where you know you you can't see real clearly, and then all of a sudden normal day-to-day tasks become. Frustrating, and you can get disoriented and all of those other things. and then I know what it's like to to put glasses on, and then all of a sudden vision becomes clear and 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 because of that, things aren't as frustrating. you it's easier to see where to go. It's easier to discern some things. it's easier to make some some decisions. well, the same the same is true spiritually. And so I want to talk to you about this issue of 2020 vision, or, 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 or being able to see the things of God clearly, being able to see God in, in your life clearly. Now listen, if you're like one of those people that would say, you know what, I, I'm kind of stuck in my spiritual life, that, that you know what, uh, I, I just feel like there, there's more. I feel like I should be able to get more out of my spiritual life, I feel like I'm in a rut, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck in place, then, then this, this beatitude is for you. And, and so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 and then Numbers chapter 13 and 14. We're going to use Numbers as a, as a commentary on, on, on this parable, uh, on this um, beatitude. I'm sorry, not parable. Verse 8 again said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they, they will see God. So the, the heart, just so we understand, the heart is where your, your mind, your will, your emotions, your thinking, your decision process. Uh, Romans one twenty one, just a few verses, Paul begins writing about this in Romans. And, and so it says, for all they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their, their thinking, and, and their foolish hearts were, were darkened. And so the, the heart d- talks in Scripture, uh, it's multifaceted. In other words, the heart. T- when they talk about the heart, it talks about that area where we, we have cognitive skills to where, where we think. But it also goes farther than that. I mean, it, it goes down in, in, into our, our, our will. So it's not only just what we think, but it, it's kind w- of our, our will or what we do. So here's another verse, uh, Proverbs, uh, Romans. I'll get these references right sooner or later. <laughs> Romans 2.5 says, but because of your heart... H- an impenitent heart, you, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So the heart describes our emotion, it describes our thinking, it describes our, our will. Um, it also is where, where hope comes from. Romans 5.5 5 says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, given, uh, who has been given to us and so the heart is a description of several things. It's your will, it's your emotions, it's your, it's your, it, it's your thinking. And so then you, you see this promise, and this promise and this, this beatitude is like a conditional promise. And there's, there's conditional promises, and there are unconditional promises of Scripture. And a conditional promise is this. If you do this, I'll, I'll do this. And so that's what it says. It said, blessed are the, the pure in heart. He's not talking about perfection. We'll understand that later. But blessed are the pure in heart, for, for they will, they'll have 20 vision. Or they'll they'll see clearly in some areas and, and mainly in, in a spiritual area. So before we take communion together, uh, I, I wanna I want to look at four things that that, it, that if you if if you have, if you develop twenty twenty vision, then then there's there's four different things that, that you will do, you will be you will be able to do. The first one is this, is you'll see God in in his purpose. You'll be, able, you'll be able to see, listen, you'll be able to see God in his purpose. And listen, this isn't always easy, right? To be able to see God in every situation, everything you walk through, to be able to see his purpose in that situation. A lot of times it's easier when things are going well. And, the, you know, we're getting the raises, we're going on vacation, the marriage is doing well, the kids are doing well, our dating life is doing well, the economy is doing well. Sometimes it's easier to see God's purpose in that than it is sometimes the more difficult situations and circumstances in life. And so this is where you really need it is when you go through those difficulties. You see, John three sixteen says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but, but have eternal life. In other words, when you, when you develop twenty twenty vision, you realize that you begin to understand that, you know what, I was created for a relationship with God. That, that, that God-shaped sh- Hole or that God-shaped vacuum in my life that I've been trying to fill with all kinds of other things that has never brought me peace or satisfaction. That that's that's God. That God wants me to fill that with Him. That we were we were created to have a relationship with Him. We were created to have intimacy with Him. We we were created to to come to the place in life to realize that guess what we're, we're here for a purpose and we're here for a reason. That God has a purpose for for every one of our lives and. And God may not have created the circumstances and situations that you're walking through, but guess what? God can use it. And God has, a, God has a purpose for you. I mean, we have to get out of this thing. And you know what? And I'm learning this along with you in some areas, in some circumstances and situations we're walking through as a family. We have to get out of this idea in Christianity that God only works in the absence of struggle. God only works in the absence of problems. I mean, you, you ever heard someone say, "Praise God, you know everything's going right in my life. God's really working in my life because I got that raise. Uh, things are turning around in a relationship. Uh, the economy's turning around. Or, or the, the doctor's report came back and it it and and uh, it was it was it was good news for me and all. And so they're like, praise. and yes, praise God in that. But a lot of times that builds into us that we believe that God only works in the absence of struggle, in the absence of problems. And see, what this beatitude is helping us to understand that, a lot of, listen, a lot of times God works deeper in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our, our circumstances. Numbers chapter 13 and 14, the, the children of Israel are, are, are like having, having just a horrible time, and God had, had led them up to the edge of the promised land, and, and he told them that the whole place, the whole place is theirs, Uh, but there's just kind of some a few strings attached they got to have faith and they got to go in and take the land that there's like giants in the land now listen there's some theologians that will tell you well the promised land in the old testament is the picture of of heaven it's the picture of heaven no it's not the picture of heaven because in the promised land in the old testament there are like giants in the land it wasn't perfect it was great but it wasn't perfect and so heaven is a, is a perfect place. The reason I say that is this. God has a promised land for every one of you here on earth, not just heaven, but here on earth. And your promised land, listen, I'm telling you, in every one of our promised lands, there are giants in the land. And that's God's insurance policy to ensure that only people of faith will step in to like their, their promised land. And so God has a promised land for the children of Israel. He says, you've got to go get it. There's some giants in the land, and there's some challenges in the land. God knew there was challenges in the land, so they had had struggle. Listen, God works in your struggle and in the absence of struggle. So Moses decides he's going to (coughs) send 12 spies into the land. And they're going to spy out the land, but here's what we learned in this. Um, the, the, The spies that come back, they all had a different perspective. They all saw things differently. That ever happened to you? That ever happened to you in a family or situations? It's like the same event. It's the same crisis, it's the same difficulty. And all of a sudden people begin seeing it differently. Well, this happened to them. And so these 12 spies come back and there's, there's two in one camp, camp Joshua and Caleb, and there's like 10 in, in, in the other camp. And so there were some things that they could agree on. They agreed that, you know what, we've been in the land, we brought some fruit back, and it, it's like unbelievable. Everything that we've been told, that is true. It's just like unbelievable place. They also agreed that the giants in the land, the Canaanites, they say, you know what, they, man, they're strong, and they're like intimidating, and they're, they're world-class like fighters and all this other stuff, but and so they, they all heard, and then all of a sudden the people hear the news, and they're like concerned. And so there, there's unrest because they're hearing what the 10 say about the giants. So all of a sudden, Caleb. Caleb had 2020 vision. Caleb could see that, guess what? God has called us to do this. God has, God has a purpose. And our purpose is to inherit the promised land. And so Caleb stands up to try to calm everybody's nerves. In uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, it says, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are are well able to overcome it. So, so Caleb wasn't ignoring the problems. He wasn't ignoring the struggles. He wasn't saying it's like no big deal. He wasn't saying anything like that. He was just saying, you know what, we're, we're gonna overcome it. But the, but the 10, the 10 that, that after this story, we hear of no more. We only hear of Joshua and Caleb after this. And so, the, but the 10, they, they had like a different perspective. And, and, and th- I- at the end of verse 33, it's just such a powerful fa- phrase that I don't want us to miss, but we're going to start at verse 31. And so, here's what the 10. Then the men who, who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. So, they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that had been, had, they had spied out, saying, This, the land, the which we have gone to spy it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that, that we saw it in it are of great height. And there we saw Nephilim, the son of Anak, who, who, who come from, from Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. Who told them they were grasshoppers? Who told them they were even... God never said that. Where do they get this grasshopper stuff? And then they says, oh, and we we seem to them that we're grasshoppers. You know what's happening? They saw themselves incorrectly. If you don't have 20-20 vision, if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know that you've been totally and completely forgiven you're deeply loved in him, you're perfect and complete in him, lacking like nothing, that he loves you, that if you do not understand who you are in Christ, then you will never you will see yourselves as grasshoppers. And here's the crazy thing. They had a bad self-image. They had a bad perspective of themselves. selves. And, and you know what they believe? They say, you know what? The way I see myself is how my enemies see me. The way I see myself is how you see me. In other words, all of a sudden, they started seeing other people conflict through this, 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 uh, this filter of their poor self-image. See, listen, let me tell you something. The way you see yourself is critical. That's why understanding John 3.16, and understanding it has a purpose for your life, and he has a meaning for your life. Listen, that, that's why you can, and probably none of us in here have ever said this stuff, but that's why you can get in a conversation with someone that has like a, a bad self-image or they have a bad self-perspective and they see themselves as grasshoppers and so they, they believe you see them as grasshoppers and you'll get in a discussion with them and they'll look at you and say, oh, you just think I'm an idiot. You, you, you think I'll never follow through with anything in my life. You think I'm a moron. That's what you think. You think I will never amount. You you know why you said that to me? Because see, here's what happens. If you're not careful, you will project your poor self-image onto what someone else thinks of you or believes about you. Listen, Don't do the enemy's work for them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your enemy or anyone else thinks about you. You know what matters? What God thinks about you. What God has to say about you. It doesn't matter how people... It matters how God sees you. Man, Satan... Listen, Satan wants those circumstances that you're walking through. Satan wants to to destroy you with them. To destroy your confidence in God. But God wants to use the same circumstances in your life to grow you, to mature you, to give you an an eternal perspective. To let you know that, guess what? God, God works in the absence of struggles and God works in the midst of struggles. So don't do the enemy's work for them. Understand who you are in Christ. The second thing is this. If you have a 2020 vision, then, then you'll see God's provisions. You'll come to the place in your life to where, you know what, you'll, you'll see God's provisions. It's a little bit of what Pastor Chad was talking about in the worship. That you understand that, you know what, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And God, God's going to take care of me, and God's going to provide for me. I mean, the 12 spies, the 12 spies they agreed like on everything. They agreed that the land was like a treasure and it was a great place and the opposition was large. And then, but the two men, Joshua and Caleb, they parted companies with the others because of their perspective, because of what they saw. See, the others viewed it from poor self-image. The others didn't understand. Listen, I'm telling you, whatever, whatever God calls you to do, he'll provide. That's, you realize that's one of the basic principles of, of my life and of Fellowship of the Rockies. If God called us to go start a church in Pueblo, Colorado, he'll provide. If it's a man, it'll fold. If it's a man, it won't make it. And so when you begin to live your life like that, and you hear from him, and you know that whatever... Listen, what, that, can I just tell you, that's why a lot of people don't give, and that's why a lot of people don't serve. Because they don't understand this principle. They don't understand that whatever he calls you to do, whatever he asks you to do in his word, that he, he'll provide... And Joshua, Joshua and Caleb were able, able to, to view this from, from God's perspective, and, and they realized that their own ability to win or lose had, had nothing to do with their opponent, had nothing to do with the Canaanites, had nothing to do with the people in the land. It had everything to do with what God wanted them to do. And so if, if God led them into a battle, then guess what? God's going to provide. And so Numbers chapter 14, verse 6. And so... I hope you catch how brave this is of these guys. And so Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. Verse 8, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred to us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord, the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I mean, can you imagine standing up in the midst of a congregation when everything else is against you? What great faith, what great courage. I mean, they're they're not, listen, they're not just dealing with enemies in the land. They're standing their ground with some of their friends. I, I mean, there's like this angry mob going on. saying so we, we can't go in. Fact is, if you read Numbers uh, verses 1 through 5, I, I started in 6, but if you read Numbers 14, 1 through 5, they're so mad at, at, at Moses, they're going to like fire him and go back to Egypt. They like hate him. And all of a sudden, Joshua and Caleb stand up and says, we need to go for it. It was God, when you read the story, it was God that had to stop that crowd From like stoning them. Listen, let me tell you something. In any situation, it's a biblical principle. Having the correct perspective, having a spiritual perspective, is not a crowd pleaser, but it's a God pleaser. You ever done that? You ever tried to speak spiritually into a situation? People get angry. Who are you throwing scripture around like that? Don't scripture us. We know what's going on here. See, sometimes having a spiritual perspective is not a crowd pleaser. It's a God pleaser. See, the story is so important because perspective and the way you and I see things is is so important. I'm telling you, it can take you right up to the doorstep of, of your promised land. And it can cause you to circle and retrace the steps and year after miserable, year after year after year, doing, this, doing the same old thing, having the same old life. If you're worried to trust him and to step into that land. The third thing is this, if you have 2020 vision, you'll be able to see God's plan. You'll be able, you'll be able to see God's plan in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 29. Look at this, it said, Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, this is such a powerful theme, will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son, all the way that you went until you came to this place. You know what you're reminding them of? Guys, do you, do, you, do you not understand God's been providing for you up to this point. Do you think He's going to stop tomorrow? Do you, think, do you think He brought you this far just to let you fall? You, you know what they're doing? They're, they're able to see everything in their life being orchestrated by, by God, and, and they, didn't, they didn't believe they were on plan Plan B. They understood Plan A. I mean, there's not one thing in your life that God cannot use unless you not allow him to. And this is what they're saying. They're saying, don't you understand? Have you been been so arrogant and prideful to believe that you've been providing for yourself up to this time? You've been making all the deals? You've been taking care of everything? Or or do you not realize up until this point, God's been taking care of you. See, everything everything that they had experienced up until this point was to prepare them for going into the promised land. Let's tell you, those battles that you fight, can I tell you that the battles that you're fighting are to prepare you for greater victory, to understand him, to trust him? Because it's in those battles that you develop a relationship with him to where you know that you can trust him. See, the the spiritual person, the person with 2020 vision, understands that. Guess what? God controls it all. I, I honestly, it's taken me, it's taken me 57 years to get to this place. But I honestly, for the first time in my life, know that I can't control everything. I can't. And you can't either. And as hard as we try, you can't. You can't control your health. You can't control your job. can't control an economy. You can't control people around you. But one thing you, one thing you can control is how you respond to him and how you walk with him. Joshua and Caleb were able to see God's plan when nobody else could. Sometimes my heart breaks for, for people that have like lived their entire life, and they've never lived life in a way that a, they have an eternal perspective. They're going to leave a legacy in the kingdom because they've trusted him and they've trusted his plan the fourth and the last thing if you have 2020 20 vision you'll you'll see his person if you have 2020 vision you'll 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 come to that place where you'll see his person Joshua and, and Caleb were the only ones they were the only two they were able to see God in the in the midst of, of their circumstances and I'm let me let me just ask you a rhetorical question you don't need to answer out loud but can you see God in the situation you're dealing with right now can you see God in the midst of your circumstances today? Listen, I'm telling you, the more difficult, the more harsh, the more emotional, the more unsettling, the harder that is to, to do. But here, here, here's, here's, here's what I'm learning. that people that have a spiritual vision that clearly see him, man, they're able to have gratitude and joy and purpose because they're able to see God in the midst of their circumstances. Now, especially for some of you guys, you're probably just going to think this is weird. I probably would have thought it was weird, too, a couple of years back. But in the evenings, I've been taking more time in my journal and just writing out a a gratitude list what am I thankful for? Because listen, if you're not careful, you'll get in these battles and you'll forget to be grateful. Grateful people have joy. Grateful people see God. Grateful people. And so, you know what? Sometimes we do this as a family. We'll, we'll sit around at a family function. Hey guys, what are we thankful for today? What can we have gratitude for today? What can we take joy in today? What is is God doing? What is God answering? What what can we take today? We're we're teaching teaching grandkids that too. We'll ask grandkids, hey, what was your favorite thing you did today? What was your your favorite thing that you did today? And you're teaching that sense of of gratitude. See, I think that was one of the differences between Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, listen, they saw God in the midst of their struggles, and they said, yeah, it's a struggle, but it's no big deal, because guess what? God is with us. And God is with us. Look at this, uh, Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. He says, Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are like bread for us. In other words, yeah, these circumstances are bad, but guess what? God's with us. He brought us to this point. He's not going to leave us. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I mean, they understand that, you know what? God goes before them. Sometimes we sometimes we need to develop worship language, or worship words to like live by. Um, we have our verses and, and we have some 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 worship songs. But but this last week, so so once a month at Fellowship of the Rockies, we do something called First Tuesday. First Tuesday for us is just like a morning uh, all staff meeting. Everybody that's on staff at Fellowship of the Rockies, we we like we like get together, and then uh, we play some. We, we, we play some games, so we laugh a little bit, and we make fun of each other. We have some competition, uh, and so that, that's healthy, and we, we eat together. We laugh together. We joke. Uh, we do tell me something good, so we take the staff through this. Hey, tell us what God's doing. We want to hear something good. Uh, tell, just tell me something good. And then there's a teaching aspect of it, but then we gather around the, the keyboard, and we worship just as a staff. Because here, here, here's what I believe: I should worship the same way in front of you that I do in private. Our staff should worship the same way in front of you that they do in private. I mean, this isn't this isn't a show. This is this is a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it should it should be authentic and it should be transparent and it should be real. And so anyway, so we're we're worshiping, and then all of a sudden we get to this lyric, to just like just wipe me out, that said, whatever may come. I am by his side. Because whatever may come in life, I am am by his side. In other words, it's a choice I have to make. God's always with me. It's a declaration. And so whenever we start developing worship language and we start giving each other worship words or we give each other worship language, you say, you know what? Whatever comes in my life, guess what? I'm by his side. And I'm walking with him and he goes before me and he goes behind me and he's on the side of me. And this, these giants that I'm facing, because listen, if we're honest, we all have giants in our life, right? Am I the only one? No, we all do. You know what's dangerous? We should never compare each other's giants. Christian world is horrible about that, Right? So let's don't compare each other's giants. We just all have them. Just all have them. And when we come to that place, whatever comes, I'm by his side. 1 John 1, 4 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life, the life was m- made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed it. to to you the eternal life which was with the Father who was made manifest to us that which we have have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete one of the proofs that you're able to see things clearly is this issue of joy so this is a conditional promise, that if we're pure in heart, we'll see him. And I would just want to give you just a few quick things, and then we're going to take communion together, that there, that there is a, a path, and that you could do this later, you can do this in the midst of, of communion in just a few moments. But the first thing is this, there ne- needs to be a step of realization. In other words, that we stop and we see ourselves as, as, as we really are. And we need to realize where we are, and we need to realize if we're in a battle, we need to realize, are we seeing things clearly? Or are we not seeing things clearly? What, what, is it, what does it look like to us? You, you ask God, God, would you, would you reveal to me where I stand with you? That there also has to be a step of examination, and, and, and where, where you spend time with him. And God, would you just probe my life? Is there anything in my life, a habit, an attitude, an action, a word, something I'm doing? That just like needs to go in, 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 in my life. Uh, but then there, there needs to be a, a step of petition to where we pray to him. Um, Psalm 51 says, create in me, O Lord, a, a clean heart. And, and return to me the, the joy of my salvation. And then there needs to be a step of determination where we, where we, we come to that place. to we just choose to to walk with him? That there's a step of determination that says, God as much as it depends on me, I'm just going to walk with you. And I'm going to stay faithful. And if I have to do like Joshua and Caleb and stand up, even though it's not a crowd pleaser and say, this is what God's doing in this situation. This is how we handle it. God, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do that. And the last thing is this, is there's a step of adoration. In other words, there's, there's a step of worship. There's, there's like this worship language that we develop. fact is, The scripture says that before we take of communion the Lord's Supper, that we should examine our life, we should examine our actions, we should examine ourselves.